0: For you this morning, we ask that you would work in each heart and life. We ask that you would open our eyes to explore the goodness of God. We ask that you would teach us and help us to understand and lay aside so many false perceptions and false understandings. That today we would leave this place with a grasp of just How good you are. Lord, no way any human being can really understand fully the goodness of God. But Lord, we pray that you would allow us to explore just a little bit. That you would pull back the the barriers of our sin and our pride. That we may see how good and how great you are. Bless us now during this time that our lives may be changed to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. you take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. And I'd like for us just to begin this morning by reading all the way through Psalm 19 from beginning to end. And our topic this morning, what we're going to work on covering today, is the goodness of God. Now, I just want to uh, put a note in, there's no way that we can explore all the goodness of God in a year of Sundays, let alone just one service. But we want to look at just a little bit of the goodness of God as it is recorded for us here in this chapter. And let's just read these 14 verses here. In, in uh, chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun." which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord my strength, and my Redeemer. Certainly one of the better known psalms, and it is beautiful and and wonderful in the words, and yet the message, as I was going through uh, preparing a message, I was looking at the goodness of God, and I was working on an outline, and then I went to look for a verse, And found it here in Psalm 19, and there was my entire outline already here. And and that's the way God's Word is meant to be studied. is not that we try to find our ideas in God's Word, but we want God's Word to shape the way we think and the way we understand. As I did a word search through the Bible on God and good. Does anybody know where the first in the Bible, the words God and good are used together. How about Genesis chapter 1? Let's turn there. Genesis chapter 1. It is interesting here. As we talk about the goodness of God, we hear about it in Genesis chapter 1. In fact, in that chapter, uh, I do believe that God and His goodness is trumpeted to us seven times, more times in one chapter than any other chapter in the entire Scripture, and it deals with the subject of creation. I want us to think just a few minutes this morning on how good God is in creation. How many of you like to get those calendars where it has pictures of mountains and fields and And uh, all of the nature picture, all the nature that God has created. Uh, Let's just look in Genesis chapter 1. In verse 4, it says, And God saw the light, that it was good. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day we come down here um, let me see here let the I'm sorry verse 10 and God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas and God saw that it was good and then we just come down to verse 12 and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after its kind, and God saw that it was good. And uh, we come down here to uh, verse... Oops, I'm sorry. I didn't mark them all, but uh, uh, verse... Twenty five, and God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after his kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse thirty one, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God is good. He did a good job when He created the universe. Now, let's go back to Psalm 19. And I want to remind you that even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminded those that were listening that God sends His Son on the just, on the evil and the good, and rain upon the just and the unjust. God's creation is good. Man thinks that if he doesn't take care of it, that creation is going to fall apart and, and that everything bad is going to happen. Now, I, I want you to understand, people all the time use false arguments. I do not know of any thinking human being or any person that deserves that title that wants to just go out and pollute and destroy the world that God has given us. But God created the world for us. He gave man dominion over the earth. Creation is to serve us. We are not to serve creation. Everything in creation teaches us about the goodness of God. Read Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says that the invisible things are clearly seen in creation. You say, how can you see something invisible in creation? Well, let's talk about the greatness of God for just a minute. Is that not invisible, the greatness of God? You cannot see it. You cannot quantify it. You can't put it on a shelf. And yet... I want to challenge you, man has tried to measure the universe for centuries. The first time man invented a telescope and he could finally see a little farther than these eyes, he began just a little bit to reveal how large this universe is. They claim the universe is 13 billion light years across. Now, light travels at 186,000 miles per second per second. The distance that light would travel in 13 billion years at 186,000 miles per second is the distance that man has measured the universe to be. Uh, I want to challenge you that man hasn't been right about many of these things. And when we get better instruments and better mathematics, we'll find out it's probably a little bigger than that. How, How many agree with me on that point? Can you not see the greatness of God in the vastness of this universe in which we live? If you can't, I want to challenge you. You're blind. Or worse yet, You are purposefully blind. You want to be able not to perceive that truth. But I want to challenge you today, the goodness of God. Look at the creation that God has made for us. How many of you are happy about the rain today? How many are depressed? Get down a little bit and it's all dark and cloudy, but... Do you know where, what would happen to our atmosphere without rain? How many of you have been through a drought? Remember the great drought in New York City a couple of years back? I mean, this city was just... I mean, there's an inch of dust on everything. And it just wouldn't go away and you'd sweep. You know what the rain does? It, gets, it cleans the air. It gets rid of that dust. It washes it away. God makes this earth self-cleaning. I think of the story of Lake Erie in Cleveland, Ohio. I lived there for several years. No, they didn't call it Erie because of what it was, but it certainly described the lake after all the pollution and everything. Lake Erie was a dead lake. This was back in the 70s. They said it would take a hundred years to clean up the lake. You know what one of the primary sources of income on Lake areas is today? Fishing. The yellow perch has come back. The lake has cleaned itself up. Once man stopped pouring all the stuff into it, it started cleaning up, miraculously, all by itself. No, God is good. Amen. He is a creator They created this earth. And it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. How good God is. We can look. And it says, day, I love this, day unto day utter speech. What is the number one topic that people talk about, especially strangers? Isn't it the weather? Don't people just talk about... I mean, when you can't talk about anything, you talk about the weather. Uh, day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night, it says, showeth knowledge. People study The movement of the moon and the stars and all of those wonderful things that God has created. And by the way, we have a clock on the back wall. Most of us have watches of some kind. If you have a cell phone, it's set. We measure everything in seconds and hundreds of seconds and thousands of seconds and nanoseconds. And yet, what's all that time based upon? Days and years and months. Isn't it amazing how orderly this universe is? That we can take and sit down with a computer and calculate the trajectory of a space probe and land it 14 years later on one of the moons orbiting around Saturn. And yet have that probe send us back information and tell us things that are going on on that moon. I think it takes, if I'm not mistaken, several days for that transmission to travel all the way through space, so that we can get that information. And what do we do? Oh, we are so smart as human beings. Look at what we have accomplished. And yet what we ought to be doing is look at what God has done. Amen? I challenge you it takes more faith to believe that you came from a monkey than it does that God created the world. You have to take more you have to ignore more facts. You have to believe in in something greater than God himself to believe that evolution actually happened because there is not one shred of true scientific evidence. You say but pastor you're just being ignorant. There's so much out there. Uh No, you study what's out there. I love this one. The cactus realized it was growing in a desert and that predators would come and take its water so it grew thorns to protect itself. That's out of a textbook. I didn't think cactus could think like that. But that's what the evolutionist says. The cactus is actually smarter than some scientist if that is true. But it's not. It took us hundreds and hundreds of years to figure out that in the honeycomb made by the bees is the absolute... Most um, space saving, work saving. It is geometrically perfect in both its formation and its storage capacity. Nothing invented by mankind comes close to what the bees do in the honeycomb. But you know what? We had to wait until calculus was perfected and all these computer things before we could prove that God already had developed the best way during the week of creation. I wonder if we could just take a few moments and meditate on the goodness of God. You see, we look and we think and we let these things go into our minds and our hearts. And we think of the beautiful mountains and the snow peaks and, and how the rain takes the, the water and dries it up out of the ocean and carries it to the mountain and puts it there and it comes down and filters through the rocks and burbles up in the valley in a beautiful spring of fresh water. There is not one people group upon the face of, of this earth in the history of mankind that has not spent time talking about the goodness of God in creation. The only problem is most of them get stuck on creation and try to worship the moon and the sun and the planets. They try to worship the trees and the rocks and the birds and the dogs. And they totally ignore the God that created it all. I want to challenge you today to take some time this week and think about the goodness of God. If you've ever been to Central Park, there's a lot of beautiful flowers and trees there. And the, You know what the first thought is? Boy, these gardeners really do a good job wait a minute, how about remembering the God who made the plants that the gardeners planted? We don't accomplish much. How many of you had some bread today at one time or one form or another? Something with bread. You had a bagel. You had a piece of toast. You had something with bread in it. How many today? Just raise your hands. Come on, let's... let's, Okay, almost the majority of people in here. Did you ever stop and think of the God that created the wheat that makes the bread? We want to praise the baker and forget about the Creator who gave us the wheat. The baker couldn't do much if he didn't have any wheat to start with, could he? By the way, you need a few other things to make good bread. You need eggs, and you need sugar, and you need yeast, and you need need all these things that they put in there. I just want to challenge you that God is good in creation. We don't see much of the sun today because of the clouds. But I just stepped out into the lobby for a few minutes. You can feel the heat. It's there. If it weren't for the sun warming this planet, where would we be? God is good. Amen. But I want us to look at verse 7. I want us to look at verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Point number one is God is good in creation. You know, that's pretty easy, isn't it? But we often ignore it. But point number two is God is good in salvation. The law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? It Converts the soul. Now, this idea of converting means to change into another form. How many of you are old enough to remember the introduction of the metric system into the United States? You're going to have to learn that. You're going to have to learn kilometers and you're going to have to learn millimeters and you're going to have to learn all this. How many of you remember that? Hey, guess what? The mileage signs are still in miles. I'm just an old hard nose. I, I just like the old English system. Yes, it makes absolutely no sense. Yards and all, furlong. How many know what a furlong is? Okay, we got one or two. That's about an eighth of a mile. You say, what are all those measurements about? Well, you have to convert your measurements into the metric system or back from the metric system because we have both of them today. Because they're not the same. I used to do a lot of mechanic work. A 12-millimeter wrench is not a half-inch wrench. It may fit, but it will round off the nut. It's not going to work because they're different. You have to do one or the other. This idea of conversion means a complete change. What is now was not before. The law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. What is now was not before. You can't always have been a Christian. You can't always have been with God. Yes, in the sense that God is everywhere. Yes, that is true. But God wants to convert your soul for one reason. God is good. What you have is not good enough. Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler? He said, Good Master, addressing Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good save one that is God. And he never used that adjective again referring to Jesus. And that's why he left sorrowful. Because he valued the riches of this world more than he did the Creator. What you have is not good enough for God. He doesn't want to reform you. He doesn't want to fix you up. He doesn't want to make you better than you were. He wants to convert you. The New Testament, he wants to cause you to be born again. It's called saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sin. Saved from who you are. Saved from the way that you were born. This idea of conversion tells us so much because you can't just say something was converted. It has to be changed in order for it to be converted. Amen? You, you follow that? And if it has to be changed, that means it was one way at this point in time and it is completely different at this point in time. And I'm not trying to be childish here, but I want everyone to get a hold of this thing. God is not... Pleased, satisfied with what is here. The law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul and makes it something that it never was before. Somebody tries to say, Well, this being born again thing is a New Testament thing. Well, we're in the book of Psalms, my friend. This is Old Testament. It's the same message, Old Testament and New Testament. It's one book. It's one Bible. And I I want us to take just a few minutes this morning and go to Matthew chapter 20. And Jesus has given us a parable here. And He's trying to illustrate and help us understand a great truth. And we're not going to take time to go through the entire parable this morning. But verse 1 says, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And then the story goes on. He went out the third hour. He went out the ninth hour. He went out different times until the eleventh hour, the last hour of the day. And he found some men that had showed up there the last hour of the day looking for a job. And he brought them all and he put them in the work. And we come here to verse 8. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came... They supposed they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when, he had, and when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny?" Take that as thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil? Because I am good. So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Now, if we took time to explain everything that is in this parable, we'd be here all day on this subject. But I want us just to graph something. Each laborer had agreed to work for a penny. The laborers in the morning, the first ones, Uh, that was the prevailing wage of the day. If you were looking for a laborer, there was... A basic wage that was set. It was a Roman penny. It took 117 of those to make a talent of silver. Uh, It was a uh, sum of money that was considered normal and good. No one was going to give you more than a penny a day for labor. It It was just the way things were. That was the standard pay. And so they agreed. And then he goes out at different hours and brings in different labors. And finally, one hour before quitting time, before the sun comes in, he brings in this last group of laborers, and they work for an hour. Now it's time to get paid. And each one gets the same pay. It says the kingdom of heaven is like unto this story. That penny is what God wants to give us. It's salvation. And it doesn't matter if you show up just one second before the rapture, or if you lived with Adam just after the fall, and you knew him and his uh, sons, and you knew Cain and Abel before Cain and Abel did the wicked things that Cain did, and killed Abel. It doesn't matter. People go into the Old Testament all the time and they say, listen, you can't just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. you got to do something wrong. That's what this story talking about. It's not based on what you do. It's based on the goodness of the householder. That's salvation, my friend. Aren't you glad God is good in salvation? That He doesn't give you a list of things that you have to complete so He will convert your soul. He has already done all the work. He will give you salvation if you will stop trying to earn it yourself and let God do all the saving. He will convert you. He will take what is and make it something that it is not. Because only God has the power to give life. God is good in His creation, everything we see about it. And yet, when something bad happens, who's the first one that gets blamed? God. Wrong. Wrong. Why don't we start blaming the people who are responsible? I get so uh, irritated in my soul. Angry sometimes. Now, the only problem in the world is religion. If we could just get rid of God, we wouldn't have all these problems. Wrong. Wrong. Let me ask you a question. What great nation has been built and developed by atheists? Can anyone name one? Well, the former Soviet Union was a great nation. Oh, yes. The most corrupt, vile, and bloodthirsty regime in the history of mankind. Communism. It's based on one premise. There is no God. We have people that used to live under communism right here in this auditorium. And they can tell you how wonderful it was in a society without God. Let me tell you, the problem is not God. The problem is false gods. The problem is religions that were developed by man so that they could get what they wanted. And if you want a real... Study on that. You should have been here for Sunday school and we talked about that. I mean, it's man's religion, false religion, is all about what I can get. God says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. You cannot change a man from the outside in. You cannot give medicine... You cannot give counseling. You cannot do anything that will truly change a person from the outside. God has got to do the changing on the inside. That's why He converts the soul. And once He converts the soul, then everything else will fall in line. Could I have an amen on that? Now, just because you are saved, let's go back to Psalm 19. I've had people, so many people over the years say, Pastor, I I want to be a Christian, I want to get saved, but I can't live the Christian life. I can't be perfect. I can't live all those things that the Bible says. I'm a sinful human being and I know my shortcomings and I'm going to fail. And and I always tell them, if they'll listen to me, welcome to the human race. Uh, I'm glad that you're a human being like the rest of us. Being converted does not mean that you'll never do wrong again. But here's what it'll do. It'll make you understand that God is good in His creation. God is good in His salvation. It's interesting that in this chapter here of 14 verses, God spends the first six verses on creation. One verse on salvation. And even the better part of that verse is dealing with the law of God. And then the last six verses here, seven verses, 8 through 14, it's all about God's judgment. You see, God is good in His judgment. That's not something we hear about. If you've ever been unfortunate enough to read Jehovah's Witness material, one of the first introductory statements is, we don't believe in a God that created hell. Hell was an invention of preachers to scare people into believing in God. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. That's a bold-faced lie. Now, there have been preachers, I've met a few in my lifetime, that you would think they were happy about a place called hell. I can't wait to see... Now, boy, I'll tell you, that spirit is not in the Bible. That is not of God. The Bible says, the wicked man desireth judgment. Judgment. Those that understand how good God is in salvation don't desire judgment because they understand how many sins they've sinned against God. But I want to challenge you today that God is good in His judgment. God is nothing but good. What kind of universe would this be? What kind of God would God be if the devil were allowed to get away with everything that he has done? Hmm? What kind of justice would God have and holiness would he have if a man like Adolf Hitler died a good death and was just welcomed into the gates of heaven like everyone else? Yes, Adolf Hitler could have been saved because every human being could find salvation if they so desired. But by the time he became the man that did the things that he is famous for today, rather infamous, he had already rejected the truth of the gospel. How many of you know the story of Comrade Stalin? As a 12-year-old boy, he tells the story, I read it in a book somewhere, that he went out and spent several days in the wilderness, just all alone. said, God, if there's a God in heaven, I want you to reveal yourself to me. His grandmother was a Baptist, a believer in Jesus Christ. And she told him Bible verses. And so he went out and demanded that God appear to him and show himself to him. And of course, God had already done that in the Bible verses that Grandma had showed him. God had already done that in the goodness and the greatness of creation that surrounded him. God is not your servant. He is the Creator. It is not He who submits to us. It is we who submit to Him. It is not we who have the right to judge the difference between right and wrong. It is He and He alone that has the difference to tell us what is right and what is wrong. There are many things. I remember a song that was very popular when I was young. It was called, You Light Up My Life. It was written by the daughter of a preacher. And it was supposed to be a song that was written to Jesus. But one of the lines in the song betrays that fact and tells us that song was not written to Jesus. In the last verse, it says, It can't be wrong when it feels so right. I know that song well because I had a piano teacher that made me learn it. And oh, I hated that song. Because the God it was written to was the God of the heart. Of the person who was writing it, not the God of heaven. Your feelings do not determine right and wrong. Never have, never can. If we were to go over to Rikers Island today and empty the prison cells and line them up, all 2,300 or so, how many ever are over there at this point in time? That's just one prison on the island. And say, did you purposely do wrong to get yourself here? And I'll guarantee you the answer of every one of them is going to be, no. I didn't do that on purpose. It was an accident. I didn't do it. It was my friend that did it. I. I I was just doing the best I can. And the book of Judges sums it all up. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Let's read through some of these verses here. It says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. One of the greatest medical problems we face today is heart disease. Let, Let me challenge you today that One of the reasons we have so much physical heart disease is because there's much more spiritual heart disease. Our hearts rejoice at the wrong things. We have anybody in the medical field, I think they'll back me up on this. The number one killer is not cigarette smoke. It is not drug use. It is not automobiles. The number one killer in our society today is stress. Why are we stressed? Because we're upset about the wrong things. We have more road rage, according to the polls, in New York City than any other, any other city in our nation. Why do we have so much road rage? That guy cut me off! I don't mind him putting his own life in danger, but he's not putting mine in danger. Now, am I the only one in the world that's done that? Come on, fess up. This is church. Okay, I see a few more hands. Now, you know what? Is that or is that not sin? Let's not get comfortable and use each other as an excuse. Well, pastor does it. It's okay for me. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Why do we do these things? Perfect peace have they that love thy law. Does anybody remember the rest of that verse? And nothing shall offend them. We get offended because we're not rejoicing in the statutes of the Lord. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear, I love this verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover by them thy servant, well, moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. Does anybody remember Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6? Without faith it is poss- impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you keep the commandments of God, there's a great reward. I want to tell you every good thing in my life today is because of obedience to the commandments of God. And every bad or hurtful thing in my life today is because of disobedience to the commandment of God. You may say, Pastor, that's too simplistic, and I want to challenge you that you're just being too complicated. The answer is in obedience to God's Word. It's just that simple. You get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. After you're saved, the Bible says that you ought to publicly identify with the Lord in believer's baptism. God does not want top secret Christians. He wants us to give our testimony to the world in which we live. He says the church is His body. We don't have time this morning to unteach all of the false teaching on the church. But the local assembly of believers is a complete body of Christ Responsible directly to the Lord Jesus Christ for what goes on in this local church. And if you serve Him, you need to be a part of one. It's just understood in the Scripture. You can't rejoice in the law of God if you never pick this book up and read it. You can't understand the fear of the Lord and allow it to clean your soul if you never spend time talking to God in prayer. Look at the last verses here. It says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Aren't you glad the psalmist put that verse in there? Have you ever done something wrong and sinful and said, why did I do that stupid thing? Well, can we just be very plain this morning? I'll give it to you in the original language. You don't have enough sense to understand the wrong things you do. I put it as kindly as, you, as possible. We lack the sense to understand ourselves. The fool seeketh to know his own heart. Don't try to get to know yourself any better. Try to get to know God. He says, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be right, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Now, there's as many ideas of what the great transgression are as there are people to give them. But the greatest transgression in the Bible is simply this. It is the rejection of God's Word as truth. That's the great transgression. Every other one's attached to that. When you stop believing this book is true, and by the way, if you are saved, you can't do that. Because the Holy Spirit of God is living within you, telling you this word is true. I get so frustrated... With people saying, but I have my own religion. God's not interested in your religion. He's interested in His Word. You see, He's good in His judgments. How can someone be wrong about a doctrine as simple as baptism and be right about other things? I challenge you, if they're wrong about baptism, they're wrong about a lot of things. If they're wrong about this book called the Bible, they're wrong about a lot of things. That's why there's no pastor on television, no preacher on television, no such thing as a TV pastor. He's not going to come visit you in the hospital when you're sick. He cannot have a personal relationship with you via email or, oh, I'm going to touch the TV screen. That's what one guy said years ago. And you'll feel my power come to you. No. No. There needs to be a local physical connection. That's what the church is all about. It says, I shall be innocent from the great transgression. If you won't accept what the Bible says about itself as it being the Word of God. If you won't accept what the Bible says about you as having a heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. If you won't accept what the Bible says about... Just living right, the difference between right and wrong. Most of us know the difference. Ask yourself this question how many times this week have you purposely allowed yourself to do something that you absolutely knew was wrong? Now, I'm not going to ask any raise of hands because I don't want to tempt anybody to lie. But I'll tell you what, every one of us would have to raise our hands because we're human beings. I know it's wrong for me to lose my temper, but you don't understand what they did. Oh, wait a minute. I I know it's wrong to... Just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, but you don't know how good this is. Just one time, it's not going to hurt. And no, I haven't followed anybody around this week. There is no one in my mind right now, if that shoe fits, it's just because we're all human beings. Amen? You see, we've got to go to the God that converted our soul and pray that He will keep us back from ourselves. Now look at these last verses. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Tell you, I've been convicted of something this week. And I want to challenge you to be convicted of the same thing. We do not spend enough time thinking about the things of God's Word. We talk about Scripture memory, and you ought to memorize Scripture. But meditation on God's Word is much more than just simply putting those words up here so that you can say... For God so loved the world that He He gave His only begotten Son, and go on and on and on. Meditation is allowing those words to sink that 12 or 15 inches from up here down to here. And once it gets down here, it changes what happens out here. We are a people that do not meditate on God's Word. We have to have our distractions. I've got certain jobs that I just hate to do. I am allergic to paperwork. So what do I do? I turn on the music as loud as I can get away with. Good godly music, by the way. But I turn it on because I want to distract myself because I hate this job. But the paperwork's got to be done. Right? But... Everybody tells us you get more done when you turn off the music and you turn off the distractions and you just concentrate on what's at hand. It's hard to read this book called the Bible because these are God's words, not man's. It's hard to think about the things that are in this book because they go against everything we are and everything we understand. It convicts us where we're wrong. And none of us like being told that we're wrong. And if you think you do, you got more problems than those who don't like being told they're wrong. We got to get into this book called the Bible because God is good, He is good in His creation. We can see that. He is good in His salvation. He is long-suffering toward us. We're not willing that any should perish. Amen? But God is good in His judgments. It was the same good God that put the sun in place that made hell. It was the same good God that made the beautiful mountains and all the wonderful things He's given us to eat and enjoy with our eyes and with our bodies here on this earth. That made thou shalt not.